Right, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And in this episode, I spoke with Alex Groves, an entrepreneur that's helping other startups gain funding for their business. We've never done an episode dedicated to funding and so this chat with Alex was really exciting to have. I know we've, we've talked about funding before on other podcasts and other episodes but it's never we've never had an episode dedicated to just this so I thought it'd be really interesting to have. In our chat we talk about how a startup can go about raising funds, why they should do it firstly and uncover the tricks of the trade and also what not to do. He's seen absolutely amazing businesses not get funding uh, in the place of other weaker businesses because of these simple mistakes. So really tune in to see you know what these mistakes are. We also end the conversation about how he's starting his own app in the health tech space, trying to get people to focus more on well-being. Massively interesting chat and be sure to stay until the very, very end because that's when we talk about the health tech app and it's really, really interesting. It takes me to this week's shout out. So if you don't remember, every week I'm going to give a shout out to someone who's left a written review on Apple Podcasts uh, just to show, you know, I read the comments and, you know, share the love and everything. So in this week's shout out, it goes to a friend of mine, actually, Oliver Bruce, who has left a very short and sweet review. Um, he just says, awesome, honest, real and enjoyable. Thank you very much, very much for your, for your um, review, Oliver. So yeah, if you like Oliver want to feature in the next episode as a shout out, be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts because I'll give you a shout out in the next one. And be sure to follow us on our Instagram page. That's where all the audiograms get released, all the previews, all that good stuff. And yeah, be sure to follow us on there because that's when all you know, all the cool stuff gets posted there. So don't miss out. So anyway, without further ado, let's get on with the episode. All right. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Hey, Sina. How's it going? I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm uh, very happy to have you on the podcast as well. Um, we met each other from the Founders of the Future fellowship and yeah. it's good to meet another fellow because yeah I've, I've met quite a few of them we've had quite a few of them on the podcast actually before yeah um i mean i could i could list a few names but there'll be so many Probably yeah, had about yeah five, it, it six. sounds like you have a very busy schedule soon yeah it's just like the podcasting thing i started it in april and then it's kind of like like taken off ever since and now i'm like kind of looking to outsource some of the things that mm. um so i'm looking to outsource the editing process so we're like very early stages right now i'm like interviewing interviewing someone about that and so yeah it's kind of like started it and now i want to like outsource a few of the bits and bobs that i find i'm not too strong at yeah um to give sort of more space to me to focus on the creative side on the interviewing side which is what i like to do so you know talking to people like you (laughs) so yeah yeah it makes it makes a lot of sense all right cool so how about you just kind of like introduce yourself uh, you know to the audience so you know why are you here <laughs> yeah so i joined um founders of the future in 2019 um so they had this thing called the financial inclusion hackathon which was trying to figure out ways to get more people um to get access to credit so you know credit and being able to access capital is huge you know if you want to buy a house or get a student loan um you know those are some some of the kind of ways you could access credit um so is 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 a kind of um, a, a weekend project um, to figure out ways to do it. And then it was up at RBS's headquarters in Edinburgh, which is quite fun. Um, and I met um, these two amazing fellows, um, Nav and David, um, and there were also some great other members of the team as well. Um, and we won that competition. So it was David's idea that he'd been working on for a long time. And, and actually, I think he's fundraising now. Um, I need to get in touch with him. 
but it's this idea of a smart credit card. So similar to a product like Monzo, um, but with a few extra layers. Um, so this product would track your credit score um, in real time almost, and then give you nudges and information about how to improve your credit score. Because your credit score is this kind of invisible scorecard about your financial well-being. That, yeah. You know, if it it can dip. I've got friends that didn't know their credit scores dipped and then they struggled to get a mortgage and had to work another year to kind of get it up and stuff. So Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know my credit score. <laughs> yeah. where, 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 where do you think it is at the moment? Good, bad? I, mean, I, think, it's, I think it's pretty decent. I don't have yeah. any like credit cards or anything. I mean, yeah. I would say it's all right. Yeah. You, you, you're not buying lots of handbags or, or no no i'm not really into that whole handbag handbag vibe but <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i think it's okay I'm, yeah. I'm i think i'm pretty good with my my spending okay, we actually had an episode personal finance episode yeah and yeah that was a lot of fun because i learned a lot about you know personal finance and that's another that's a thing that i feel like a lot of young people need to be more educated in yeah for sure um, because the education isn't readily available yeah it's so true it affects everyone but you know we get taught about lots of other things at school <laughs> yeah exactly so uh, like when you when you talk about your friend's product you know it helps people just kind of real even like something like a credit score you don't really know how to improve it a lot like i don't i don't know that much about it but i know it's really important so i think a product that actually kind of focuses on that and helps mm. people in, in the right direction in real time yeah yeah i mean it sounds pretty helpful to me yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll try and get hold of David. Um, I know he's super busy and he doesn't respond to my texts very often, actually. Because he's so busy. Um, but he'll be a great person to get on the show because he's um, he's one of the most passionate people I've ever met. Um, and he's so knowledgeable about startups, finance, blockchain, Silicon Valley, um, you know, all the kind of things that you wish you had more time to read about. David's read. Oh, yeah, 100%. Anyway, going back to you, why yeah so give us a short like lowdown about what you're doing at the moment yeah so quite a few things really um i mean they say being an entrepreneur is all about focus and i've completely ignored that um, this year so um me and a friend we're uh, we've got a um, kind of fundraising consultancy where we find really exciting startups and we help them raise money um, but it's not just raising money actually it's more you know, we help them kind of with the direction and, um, you know, Madeline's got a product product background, I've got an operations background. So we really try and be a kind of third co-founder almost in the room and, you know, steer them in the right way um, uh, and then get them ready for a kind of seed round um, because we've both been quite heavily involved in fundraising processes. And, um, you know, everyone always says that it's a, it's a silly dance. Um, you know, the relationship between entrepreneurs and investors is is very um is very clunky um and it's not very transparent and it it favors some founders much more than others um and it does mean actually that there are businesses that get funding that probably shouldn't and then yeah. there are also businesses that really should get funding but don't because the whole process is geared towards a very specific type of founder yeah 100 percent. and like what i've seen in a lot in, in a lot of cases you kind of alluded to it before but you get people and you get companies that, you know, they're great, they're amazing, but they don't necessarily get that funding very easily. But any other companies who aren't as strong, but they get really, they get funding quite easily. Why, like, why do you think that happens? So one of the things that you've got to remember is venture investors, it's actually a team sport. So for if you're an early stage fund, 
for you to make a return, the likelihood is another fund is going to invest a delayed round. So you invest in the seed and then a bigger round invest in Series A. There's also an element in London where we just copy what's ever go, you know, what's ever going on in America. Or that there, you know, there, there are a few things that in London we do really well, like fintech. Um, but as a result, because because investors are kind of having their eye on, okay, who else is going to invest? You end up investing in trends. So, you know, at one point, challenger banks and cards, you know, that was a thing that everyone's investing in. You know, Revolut and Monzo were the winners of that, but there were loads of different companies that got investment. It didn't necessarily matter that you were the best founder in the world and the best team, et cetera. But, you know, all the funds knew that this was an up and coming trend and they were just trying to get a part of that trend. You know, some were going to win, some were going to lose. Um, there's an element where, you know, VCs, you know, there is that pattern spotting and there is just this timing element. Um, there is also an element where you could have an incredible company and incredible product, but the market just isn't ready for it. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, so for example, Airbnb is a really good example of a company with excellent timing. Um, you know, if you release that product maybe three years early, it wouldn't have happened. But because they released just after the recession, people would yeah. supplement their incomes and then, hey, presto. Whereas, you know, there are a lot of other products out there that, you know, that thing will become big in three years time, but they just launched it too early. And sometimes it, it's very hard to gauge until you're actually the entrepreneur trying to solve a problem. And then you realize, oh, actually, like, we need a few other things to come come right before we can do this. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough, it's, it's tough, though, because like, so for Airbnb, for instance, like, I don't know, many people might know the story, but they they went through a long period of trying to get investment. And, you know, they, they were reliant on, you know, like, credit cards, like personal <laughs> credit cards, and they, they went through a lot of personal debt to try to get funding. Um, so it's quite difficult because you know you've got a good product you don't know if the market would necessarily be ready for it in a few years time and if so would you have the runway to be able to survive that long on like personal finances you know what i mean yeah i mean so i would the airbnb stories are kind of how not to do it um i, I think brian chesky actually says like <laughs> you know this is kind of everything they warn you against um the key thing at the end of the day is Investor cycles go up and down. Fundraising, in theory, is the easy bit. You know, there are lots of companies that get fundraising that aren't that great, for example. If you can actually turn it into a business that has customers that come back time and time again, that is incredibly difficult, but that is the goal. You know, I, I mean, you could consider it a win to have raised X million, but then the, the company, you know, doesn't do that well. Maybe it gets sold or whatever. But I think the goal in any kind of entrepreneur's head really at the end of the day should be, can I build an amazing business that stands on its own two feet? If you feel that you can, then great, go do it. And then if you feel that, you know, you, you're in on goal, you can score. But if you had someone else's money, you could score way bigger. Then that's the perfect yeah. time to be raising. If you're not sure and you have all these answers and you feel that money would help solve you those answers, then don't raise funding because money just confuses things. Um, it leads you down all these avenues. 
um, you know, <laughs> the easiest way to throw a lot of money down the drain is having a big idea and great investors and no actual plan. Um, so, you know, you, you should always really just focus on your, your product and your consumers um, and have a vision of how for this business to kind of stand on its own two feet. So where do, where do you guys come in with this whole journey? So do, do entrepreneurs come, come to you and be like, okay, listen, we're thinking about getting investment, uh, basically help us, like what do we do? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. Um, I think, so, you know, there are some guys that, I mean, I've got one client now, um, I won't mention their name because they're about to kind of go through this process, but they're ready. You know, they've got the numbers, they've got, they've had so much traction this year, <laughs> especially considering COVID as well. The entrepreneur is, he's, a, he's just a great, great guy and he's built an amazing team around him. You know, the team's super, um, you know, they're all super passionate about this business um, and they're just ready to go. They just need a financial model built. Um, and so I've kind of helped them build it. A financial model is actually more than just, you know, numbers and figures. It's kind of an, an execution plan. You know, it, it literally is play by play. You know, in January, we're going to hire this person. And, um, you know, by March, we're going to hit this, you know, this amount of customers. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do some of it through direct advertising, some through referrals, some through sales. And it, it is literally just a playbook, um, whereas the deck is more of a marketing document. This is kind of, you know, how we're going to do it. Um, so, you know, we're, we've almost finalized the fin finishing touch on that model and we're going to go out to investors. So, so that's one way. Another is you might have a, an entrepreneur that has a great product. Um, they've got users or whatever it is, um, but they've just never done this before. And yeah. they just need someone to kind of help them craft their narrative. Um, you know, the, often the most common problem is entrepreneurs keep so much in their head. And as soon as they write down a business plan about why they're good, they put it all down. So the first version of the deck is usually, I mean, it, it looks like the first draft of a university dissertation. It's just way too long. You know, there are, <laughs> you know, there are all these links and blah, 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 because there's so much hard work they've poured into this business that they don't want mm. anything not to be left on the table. Whereas you've got to be really honest with them and be like right no one cares about this this and this there's literally one or two things they care about and the thing about decks and you know investors that i think they should really like tell this more is the average investor looks at a deck for three minutes so the first time you look it's just a scan through um you know each slide is 10 20 seconds max so you really have to be very um efficient with how you communicate things um and then, you know, then there's a whole process that if the investor is interested, um, you know, it's kind of like dating, basically. Um, you know, you talk to a few investors, you both say what you like about each other, and then eventually you find out what fit is best. Um, but again, you know, that's a, it's a process that unless you've done it, it can feel quite uncomfortable, um, especially strong technical founders, actually. We've got one technical founder yeah. at the moment that's, that's excellent. You know, he writes amazing code. He's got a really good idea of how to scale his his team. I mean, he's scaling his team as we speak and he's got great product vision. However, talking about the product in a business sense in terms of market mm. sizing, segments, and that kind of stuff, that doesn't necessarily come naturally to him. So yeah, he helped with that. Yeah, that's what I found as well, like doing like startup events and stuff like that. Like I want a, I want a pitching competition um, couple years ago 
And I, I was nowhere near the strongest startup there. I just wasn't. But I was, I was up against just like nine other startups. I can't believe it, Sina. I, I don't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> but they, the other guys, like some of them were PhDs in, I can't remember what, but <laughs> maybe like biochemistry yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But they were like really, really strong. Yeah. But they were all technical. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So I was the only, at the time I was an undergraduate, I was the only undergraduate there. And... I think the difference between like why I won it is because I had like the passion came across yeah. the passion and the communication came across whereas for for the other guys they spoke about the tech yeah, sure. quite a lot in their pitches yeah. where like the normal person and by the way like it was a voting process yeah. so just the general sort of yeah. public voted so that's how you won like people didn't really understand that side people cared about more the vision and like how how practically it can be used so yeah i I definitely yeah i I definitely agree with you i think that's just a really common thing yeah and that's why that's what i kind of alluded to before where i think those sort of people although their product might be incredible and they're obviously very intelligent guys they might not get investment as easily as say the person that's more like flamboyant more charismatic and more, you know, the, the passion can very easily be seen. So Peter Thiel was the first external investor in Facebook. Um, and he's he's just one of those guys that in the valley, if he says something, you know, everyone has an opinion on it. But he's got a book called Zero to One, where he basically has a whole chapter about this. Um, and he talks about, um, so there was this kind of solar energy boom um, in, I think, around 2008. No, right before 2008. And so they they had um, there was all this investment going into the space, and there are all these guys who were building solar energy companies that didn't know anything about solar and their sales marketing background and that kind of stuff. Um, and he he just set himself a rule that he's not going to invest in anyone that's wearing a tie. Um, and it, it's kind of this thing of um, you know investors, you know investors usually have a business or finance background and usually don't have domain expertise. Um, so a lot of the kind of technical understanding gets missed and lost in translation. And the thing that we do is try and listen very, very carefully, um, to these technical companies. So, um, you know, I, I, one company I work with, um, they're working to build a kind you know, a suite of software to put in satellites, um, to allow software developers to build software on satellites. Um, I actually had a call yesterday with a um, biotech entrepreneur in Canada um, so he's been doing this for 20 years um, and I think this is what their business does but they put COVID or other diseases in llamas and apparently llamas um, have an incredible immune system and they they generate all these antigens which are kind of what the body produces when you react to a, a disease they then take the, the antigens outside the llama and then use machine learning to analyze the best antigens that could be, you know, applicable for human use. Um, so they're, Whoa. yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, they're currently trying to find a cure for COVID. And according to this entrepreneur, their method is very robust and rigorous and can be scaled to other diseases. And also their method is um, it can be applied to a wider spectrum of the population than, you know, most of the leading kind of, you know, there, there, there are a few guys at the moment that are quite close to a cubid treatment, but all of these are quite niche, whereas the thing they're developing is much more comprehensive. 
to get to that understanding mm. has been three meetings. I really want to talk to Alex about how he kind of deals with clients that come to him and who really struggle to get their passion and enthusiasm across for their idea as well as their vision and therefore might struggle to get the funding because all the technical kind of facts get lost in the translation of the investors. I wanted to see how he kind of goes about that and uncovers those hidden gems that might get, you know, not looked at by the traditional sort of investors. I mean, you know, it, it really it's, you know, we try and explain what the process is um, and explain the the communication side of things. You know, much of what I've just told you about how you just have to break it down as simply as possible. The thing that needs a bit more coaching is explaining the kind of market opportunity and then the route to market. So it's kind of, you have this product, right? Who is actually going to buy it? Like it, it's really cool and you know how amazing it is, but you've got to sell it to someone and who those people are. And that also doesn't come very naturally to these guys. So usually I think you do actually need a kind of commercial and technical co-founder, you know, especially with science things, um, because there's a lot of, you know, if, if you work in sales or marketing or business in general, it doesn't seem that simple. I'm um, sorry. It doesn't seem that hard. You know, you're not you're not writing any equations down anywhere or whatever. But actually, there's a lot of stuff that you do habitually that you train over time, that is actually quite unnatural. So, stuff like you know emails and um, making action points and structuring your calendar um, and just the way you communicate and stuff. You know, you, you build that over time, getting feedback you know, you win customers, that kind of stuff. And it can take a while for a, you know, for someone with an engineering or science background to kind of build that because usually their work is judged on its merits. You know, yeah. they, they produce a piece of work and someone thinks, oh, wow, this is so, you know, complicated and interesting. Well, great job. And they don't really have to sell their work. Whereas, you know, when you start pitching mm. for investment or pitching for customers, no one really cares how it works. They just care about what problem does it solve for me today, you know? Yeah, and like where the customer base is and all of that stuff. But I, it's yeah, I know what you mean. And I see, I've seen that firsthand as well. A lot of people get obsessed about the the sort of solution that they come up with the problem, but they don't know how to yeah. sell it or they don't know their customer or yeah. they don't know like their distribution channels or their go-to-market yeah. strategy, all of this stuff. It's really important. I want to move on from from the investment side to find out more about, you know, that your day-to-day -day stuff and like what you're doing. So you, you talked about, you, you do like consultancy stuff as well. You do, and you've also yeah. got a prototype of a, of a startup yeah, coming so, up, right? Um, I'm working on this thing called Crossing. So it is a platform um, to try and get people to create healthy and happy habits. Um, so the idea is you do this 30 day challenge. And during that, that 30 days, you try and build one single habit. Um, so it might be yoga, meditation is the most common one, it might be to exercise more regularly. And then at the beginning of that 30 days, you're given you know, both your challenge, but also an avatar that looks like you, that looks more, you know, more happy when you've slept well and exercised. It looks sad when you haven't. Um, so it kind of changes based on your health behavior. 
Um, and also it gets all these kind of different clothes and unlockables um, as you complete milestones. So if you do a, a one week streak, you might get a T-shirt with your university logo on or, you know, you might get, um, a, you know, a baseball cap. I don't know if you remember like yeah. the early stages of lockdown. It's such a weird time to think back to. But a lot of people going back, going to um, like they're mm. going on runs, you know, yeah. the 10K like run challenge. I don't know if you remember that. But so many people, um, apparently, so many people just faked their time or they didn't yeah. do it because they were afraid of what their friends thought of their time because they hadn't like run. And I was, I, I was thinking that's such an awful way. Yeah. Like it's such a negative sort of mindset. Like, why would you firstly lie? And then why would you also, like, be afraid yeah. of what other people yeah. think? Like, Because you're exercising for you at the end of the day. You're not exercising for them. So it's such a weird time to think back to. But, like, people going on these random challenges and all that stuff. But, yeah, so I, I kind of like the sort of um, people don't know who you are. The, yeah. Uh, an, I struggle an, to say an the word. Yeah. Anonymity. Yeah. That's uh, it. Just, I messed up. No, but you know I, what I mean? I, um... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really glad that you you said that actually. Um, I I don't really check social media these days. Um, but yeah, I think that's a funny thing about you know social apps in general. But they they encourage this really weird kind of you know behavior where like okay, <laughs> I would rather post about the thing than actually do the thing. Um, and we really don't want to be like that we really want people to kind of, you know, at the end of the day, your most valuable asset is your mind and your body. Yeah, sounds really good. And it's a space that I've seen a lot of like changing actually, uh, because there's there's a lot of differentiation in this space. I, I what from what I've seen, obviously you probably know better than me because you've done, you've done your market research, but there's so many different apps like, like Strava, I think focuses a lot on the social mm. side. But then there's other apps, I can't remember the name of it on the top of my head, my brother introduced it to me, where they actually pay you like vouchers, I think, uh, based on how much yeah. you run. But they also deduct money from you if you don't stick to your yeah. routine. So it's very like, <laughs> yeah, the incentive is there for that. So when you came up with the idea, what was the sort of like thing in the forefront of your mind that you were like, this is what the, the USP is, this is how we're going to differentiate in a market where there's a lot of differentiation already? Yeah, sure. Um, great question. I mean, that is the question, pretty much. Um, and we're, you know, I feel we're, we're solving it, but we haven't, we haven't solved it yet. Um, so to give a bit of background, I'm currently doing some consulting for a biotech company. Um, and as a result, we talk a lot about the future of healthcare within this business. And I entered this blockchain competition um, where I met, you know, my co-founder for, for Crossing, Dennis, who also works at a, um, a health tech company as well. And we, you know, we got together and we said, hey, we've got some of the backgrounds. Let's come up with something. And it, it seemed so obvious and natural. We didn't really think that much about it. Then as part of this community, you post a blog or no, you post in a forum to kind of tell people about it. And then this girl, Katie, posted back. And we got to know Katie and she's actually doing a PhD that she's just completed in psychology. And then she actually, the amazing thing is there's loads of science to suggest that actually avatars are this kind of uniquely powerful way of motivating behavior. There's been a lot of studies that show that it's much more effective than health trackers, much more effective than financial incentives, mainly because 
one of the reasons why it's hard for people to form behavior is you just can't imagine the benefits. So I'm sure we've all been there, yeah. but it's like you go on the run and it's like, you know, I want to feel better about myself. I want to, you know, my body to, to feel and look good and stuff, but I can't, you know, what difference is this 2K run going to make? Whereas actually, if you show someone an image of, you know, if they do the run, they look happier. If they don't do the run, they look sadder. You know, it just speaks to the, the imagination part of your brain and says, okay, I need to do this run. Um, so that was the first part of like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and then we've really tried to build around that of, if you take habit formation, you know, we've got quite scientific actually and done quite a lot of the research um, into, you know, to some extent the health and academic literature, you know, what motivates people? Um, is it money? Not really, actually. You know, Daniel Pink did a lot of um, research to suggest that for most complex actions, um, you know, money is a poor motivator. It, it actually di- disincentivizes long term. Is it? Really? Is it kind of peer status? Yes, peer stuff is important in the long term, but not actually for building a habit. Once you've got mastery of the habit, then it's important. But in that initial habit formation, it's not. It's not that important. So, so actually, it's all about whether you're, you know, whether it's about intrinsic motivation. So the problem with Strava, Fitbit, and a lot of these other apps is it takes the habit and it makes the motivation extrinsic. So it's saying, well, you need to exercise for money or you need to exercise for, you know, <laughs> this leaderboard on an app. As soon as you take that away, then the people won't do it. So, you know, it's, it's not a great way to kind of get healthier in the long term. Um, so, yeah. so how do you motivate people intrinsically? Well, you actually ask some questions. You ask them, um, and this is how we start our onboarding process. We go, you know, what habit would you like to form? And then we ask them, you know, why would you like to form that habit? You know, what, what about your life would change if you worked on this a little bit more? You know, what are your goals? Um, when you've tried to form this habit in the past, what happened? You know, um, and, and, and then the user starts to think and they get a real sense of, okay, this is why I'm doing it. The avatar kind of supplements the imagination element. And then the kind of two final mm. things that we're doing at the moment, one, you know, some users can turn a reminder on and we literally just remind them every day, Hey, you know, how's your run going? Or, you know, or like, did you, did you go for a run today? And then we've realized actually like, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, these are just, people that you know we can build relationships with so we've started using memes and gifts and like you know if people aren't really motivated you know try and make them laugh a little bit and that kind of stuff um and then the final thing is we've built this community on discord where you know very voluntarily people are just updating the rest of the community about who they are why they're in the community and then you know daily weekly updates about what they've achieved and the amazing thing we've seen is like you know, so many people are going through the same journey. Um, everyone is overworked and they neglect their health. And, you know, they tell each other, hey, you know, I used to be quite serious about exercise, but then I did this. And then for three years, really, I haven't really looked. And then someone else is like, you know, I'm the same. And, you know, and so it, it's really nice, actually, a community building. And um, so, so those are our four things at the moment. Um, but really, you know, with any kind of, you know, motivating anyone to do anything, we're trying to figure out all these different angles that we can kind of encourage our users and, you know, empower them to kind of form habits. Um, 
and you know because we're in this prototyping stage at the moment which is trying to collect data trying to get to use on users yeah. and then you know eventually we're going to start writing some code building a product um, and that kind of stuff um but you know yeah. we're trying to enjoy this as, as much as possible we're, we're organizing a board game night with with our users at some point um you know we're going to have our first kind of um graduates almost you know it's a it's a month challenge um in a week's time we're going to have our first kind of completes which is going to be really great to see um and then we're going to introduce a kind of a new cohort of users and probably try and incorporate some element of like mentorship almost that you know the people that have done a week you know can they help guide the new users through their journey um and and you know that that would be really interesting to see what happens so anyway alex it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um and i wish you the best of luck for your for your app and all the other endeavors that you're that you're obviously gonna gonna go on to do um how could people stay in touch with you stay in touch with what you're doing in the meantime so if you're a startup that is looking to raise money or just wants some feedback on your idea um send an email to alex at safespacecapital.com um, so that's safe as in safety, space as in outer space, and then capital as in, you know, London's capital, um, dot com. And then with Health Crossing, um, we're keeping it very kind of low key at the moment um, because we're just building this initial community. But keep your eyes peeled, I guess. All right. Amazing. Thank you so much um, for joining me. And I hope to see you soon. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. It was an absolute pleasure talking with Alex and I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did speaking to him. And if you did, please be sure to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out in the start of the next episode like I did with Oliver this week. Follow us on our Instagram page as well. That's where all the you know audiograms or the previews, all that good stuff gets released. And it'll be a shame if you missed it because I do a lot of other cool announcements as well recently. Um, so yeah, be sure to follow me on there and yeah, thank you so much for listening again. I'll see you next episode.